Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. That's at TalkinACCSports, T-A-L-K-I-N-A-C-C Sports. Your podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow Matthew on Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it these days, at ASD underscore Hokie Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get into This Week in the ACC. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. And this is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. This is the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. The site Twitter account is at D. ACC and we are having a classic version of the podcast tonight and it is fun when we get a chance to do this. Jeff, tell everyone about yourself. All right, Matthew. Yeah, been been following ACC sports uh, all my life. Grew up on it. Grew up on ACC basketball, which was was definitely my my first love in, in sports. Uh, you know, the North Carolina Tar Heels, the the Duke rivalry uh, from from way back uh, ended up going to school at, at Georgia Tech, uh, got an engineering degree, and then went to graduate school at Clemson. So I definitely have like personal ties into the ACC, and then started up this this uh, the blog allsportsdiscussion.com and the in the podcast with Matthew. Uh, because I kind of felt like the ACC didn't have a, a voice out there, you know, not much on social media. You know, there was always uh, anti, anti-ACC stuff. Uh, everything was, was pro other conferences. So, you know, kind of want to just bring a different voice uh, to ACC sports. And it's been a great voice and a great run. Yeah, this is Matthew here. You can follow me on Twitter at ASD underscore Hokie Smash, as Jeff said earlier. I'm a Virginia Tech alumnus. I'm a graduate school alumnus. Uh, however, I have been go. I but even before graduate school, I've been going to Blacksburg since I was five years old. My uncle is a retired professor from Virginia Tech in the College of Education, and so I've had ties to Virginia Tech for longer than anybody can imagine. And I've seen incredible growth on the campus at Virginia Tech and Blacksburg. I was just, it was just there. This weekend, in fact, and I just had I had a wonderful time, Jeff. I know I know that I sent you the photo on Twitter, but it was pretty it was pretty fun for me to kind of see the Veterans Day guard changeover at at, Virgi- at Virginia Tech at the at the at the at the War Chapel Memorial. I've never seen that on Veterans Day before, and it was pretty pretty awesome pretty awesome to see that. I enjoyed I enjoy I enjoyed seeing that North uh, Virginia Tech is one of the few campuses around the comp- uh, around the country that has a core of cadets and it was pretty pretty cool to see our, our future military there so I, I had a, I had a fun time seeing that it was kind of rare I was in Blackstat Blacksburg for a non-football game weekend but I did get a chance to see Virginia Tech and Ohio State wrestle and I've if you've seen McKay Lewis I know you've seen him on TV before Jeff he is so fast live and in person as a wrestler is unbelievable and i and i feel like he could be he could be 
in Olympia and the next time around. I'm I'm very certain of that. I've never he he wrestles at the 178 class, and he is just the fa- he is just the fastest wrestler I've seen and probably the fastest wrestler in the, in the ACC. Quite frankly, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch it. And I know we'll, we'll talk about men's men's basketball later here in the mic because in the open mic segment because I got a I got a few words about about Virginia Tech there, uh, but, but, but before we get to our open microphone open microphone segment, which tends to be one of the funner segments on the podcast, we're going to review ACC football. Jeff, who was your most disappointing? ACC football team in week 11, Jeff, and who who was the most impressive team, Jeff? Well, from from the Im- impressive side, I'm going to start with that one. Uh, I'm going to start with the uh, with that one first, and I'm going to let you you know really go into detail with it. But Virginia Tech going to Boston College, and I didn't get to watch this game. I just kind of kept up with the score. And, you know, Boston College had won five games in a row. I mean, they hadn't looked dominating or anything. But, I mean, this was a team that was, you know, kind of was looking at maybe winning seven, eight regular season games, um, you know, headed to a bowl. Uh, Virginia Tech trying to get bowl eligible. And just, you know, went into Chestnut Hill, wins 48-22. I know you'll get into that game a little bit more. But, you know, the other impressive team was, uh, you know, I have to say Clemson. Uh, they they seem to have started to right the ship from some of their early and midseason struggles. Uh, they, they found an identity of how they can win football games. Uh they beat Georgia Tech this past weekend, 42-21, and the score was definitely not uh, as close as even that indicated. It, it was total domination by uh, by Clemson. Uh, they're they're riding an elite defense, and, and make no mistake, their defense um, is as good as any in college football. Uh, that is definitely a top five defensive unit. Uh, they're really good, athletic, deep. Wes Goodwin has has seemed you know, to be rounding, you know, into form as a defensive coordinator where last year uh, he seemed to be overwhelmed at times, even with with a talented defense. He's he's pressing the right buttons. And, and they took on a Georgia Tech offense that had had a lot of success in recent weeks running the ball. Haynes King had been playing very well. And, and Georgia Tech had absolutely no answer for what Clemson was doing. Um, offensively, they're still kind of limited. Uh, they they can't really stretch the field, but they they've now taken on a, an identity with their offense where they're going to run the ball first uh, and see if you can stop that. And behind uh, Phil Maffa, who had almost another 100 yard game just short of that, and then Will Shipley catching the ball, uh, they they seem to be kind of getting it together here in November. You know, can't win the ACC or get into the playoff, but you know they can still finish the strings and strongly and finish finished rank so I, I was pretty impressed um by clemson also um you know if you look at the disappointing team um it's got to be pittsburgh uh is one of the most disappointing teams of, of, of the week um playing syracuse up in new york i think syracuse threw something like eight passes the whole game i i gotta i gotta look at this but you know Garrett Schrader is is 
compromised in this game. He's he doesn't appear to be full healthy, and and Syracuse puts in uh, a tight end to ba- to to basically run basic formations, and they ran for nearly 400 yards against Pittsburgh. Okay, I'm looking at it now. Uh, Syracuse completed five passes out of nine for 21 yards. And in the second half, they dominated this game. Uh, Pittsburgh, this is kind of stunning because they're one of the ACC's better programs uh, over the last two or three years. They won an ACC title a couple years ago. Last year, we're a top 25 team, won nine games. And, you know, I think there was some thought that, you know, they could regress a little bit this season, but they have just, the, the, the rails have come off off of their season completely. They have the win over Louisville, which was the one time, you know, they played the way some thought they were capable of, but this is a two and eight team and they're the worst team in the ACC. I'm not sure there's any question about it anymore. Um, You know, you watch them on offense. I mean, and they're fumble. I can remember at least two fumbles in the game where they were completely untouched by Syracuse, you know, just kind of players running into each other uh, bad handoffs, you know, really strange to see a Pittsburgh team this bad, uh, you know, Phil Yurkovic, that experiment was a, was a big disaster. And, uh, you know, Syracuse running for 382 uh, with basically a tight end playing half the time at quarterback and an injured uh, Garrett Schrader, just really ugly loss for Pittsburgh and they can't get out of the season fast enough. Uh, I was, I mean, I, I think you're right. I was, I was impressed with Virginia. Virginia Tech did play well. They're probably in my, uh, for my dollars, Jeff, I think they played, that's the best game I've seen Virginia Tech play in quite some time. I mean, they had over 600 yards of offense. Kyron Drones looks like he could, you know, he was play if he play if he plays like that, Jeff, the rest of the season, he's certainly going to get some votes for a team all-ACC quarterback. I mean, he's certainly changed the fortunes of Virginia, of, of Virginia Tech, and he was he was he's the lead, he's the he's playing as a leader on that team. But I mean, the, the difference I think that you see, but at least between this year's team and last year's Virginia Tech team, is that there are targets all over the field at wide receiver at running back. A quarterback. I mean, you the offense is the offense is starting to, you know, take a turn. You you think that they're probably going to go to the portal and get some more guys for the defensive line and offensive line, but there's you know they're starting that you can see some noticeable improvement. And I think you've even you've even blogged about this, Jeff, that you've seen some noticeable improvement in in, in Virginia Tech. And I think there and I think that. I think I, I think the Hokies probably at least for my you know and I don't want to sound like a homer here but I think for my for my money the Hokies uh, are the ACC team of the week and I don't think that there's any uh, any question about that they were firing on all cylinders they came up there they got a couple Dorian Strong looked like an all ACC cornerback that day and you know Jeff uh, Virginia Tech always seems to find some all C- all ACC defensive cornerback or defensive back and somebody that finds their way into the NFL and that may be Dorian Strong this year. He's playing at a very high level right now. 
you know, and I, I think that they learned, I think BC learned that they're probably going to be not passing the ball very much the rest of the season. Yeah, it was sort. It was sort of funny because I, I, I don't. Did how much of that game did you watch, Jeff? A little bit, any bit. How much did you watch? No, I wasn't. I wasn't able to watch it. I just kept up with the box scores. Okay, so, I mean, I was a little shocked that you know because it's like it, it's like something I saw. I saw half halfway do something that Justin Fuente would do. It's like you they went away from the running attack when it was working and somehow decided, well, let's go and pass instead. And twice, two, two times in a row, they did this. The BC quarterback does this and he gets picked off on two different possessions, like almost back to back from Dorian Strong. And I was like, what is Halfley doing here? You've been running for like, you know, you ran your, your first drive. You basically ran down the field without throwing a pass. And you're deciding to go into your bag of tricks and pass. And I, and I, I was kind of floored by it because I thought it was a bad coaching decision to for him to do that. I, I mean, as a fan for Virginia Tech, I welcome bad decisions, right? But I was I was floored by I was floored that he did that. And then um, after you know after that after that, then I mean it was really one of the more ballsy plays I've seen this year in the ACC. I mean, Virginia Tech is up a couple of scores, and, and all of a sudden, Pride is an onside kick. <laughs> and Virginia Tech gets it. And I, I mean, and it was, I mean, it was perfect, Jeff. I've never, it, it reminded me of Frank Beamer. Honestly, it reminded me of Frank Beamer. I'm like, you're doing this on the road, and you're throwing, rolling the dice. And I'm like, it it just totally it totally changed the dynamic of that first half because they went down the field and scored right away because BC's defense provided absolutely no resist no resistance whatsoever. And by that time it was 24 to 7. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these they're gonna run these guys out of the stadium. I'm sitting in Blacksburg with my uncle and aunt watch this game and we're all yelling at the TV, all yelling at the TV, and then I'm buzzing down to Sharkies. To get this bison burger to bring it back for everybody to watch because it's the best, the second or third best bison burger I've had in my life comes from Sharkies in Blacksburg, which is is kind of cool and kind of strange, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> so we had a game day in Blacksburg watching, watching Virginia Tech just absolutely maul BC, and I I haven't seen a game like that in a long time where it was like dominating in every every step of the way, and it kind of gives me hope for. Uh, Hope for next week, man. So, Jeff, let's go to week 12, friend. Which ACC football game are you looking forward to the most in week 12? Well, yeah, there, there's a couple of really, you know, intriguing games here, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the Syracuse-Georgia Tech game, you know, from a personal standpoint. Um, you know, even if Georgia Tech had gone into Clemson and played very well, um, it was going to be a, a tall task to come out of Death Valley with a victory. Uh, I mean, Clemson, even with their, you know, relative struggles the last two years, it's very difficult to win there. So, you know, playing well was unlikely that that they were going to win there. So now they're, they're at home hosting Syracuse with an opportunity 
uh, to to get bowl eligible and and the, the, you know it's been five years. 2018 was the last time Georgia Tech went bowling, and you know this is the game that they have to win. You know, let, let's be honest with Georgia the next week, and you know Georgia is you know they're rounding into playoff form like they've done the last couple of years, and they're just steamrolling opponents. Uh, they annihilated uh, an Ole Miss team this weekend. Um, you know that came into that game like eight and eight and one or nine and one, and just annihilated them. And you know Georgia Tech's just not equipped to beat a team like that right now, unless just something you know completely bizarre happens. So you know if you really want to show progress in your program, and upsets are great. You know beating Miami and North Carolina, you know, um, you know got 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 the attention of a lot of people. But you've got to get to the postseason. Um, if you really want to show progress for Brent Key and, you know, they get Syracuse, it's an opportunity. They're favored in the game. Um, it's going to be really interesting the way Syracuse ran the ball so well against Pittsburgh. Uh, Georgia Tech, you know, might have arguably the worst rushing defense, not just in the ACC, but in the entire country. There's one team that's worse statistically against the run um, in college football, maybe it was North Texas or something, but it's, it's like Georgia Tech is 129 out of 130. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, uh, it's going to be an intriguing game and an extremely important one, I would say, for Georgia Tech. Syracuse also trying to get bowl eligible, but uh, they have an opportunity at home against a, a Wake Forest team that is simply just not very good this year. So, you know, for for Syracuse, it's it's not a matter of a must win. It'd be a nice to win, but they'll get another opportunity the following week against Wake Forest. Uh, another game that I'm looking forward to is North Carolina and and Clemson. See the top five offense of North Carolina playing the top ten defense of Clemson is going to be a really a tremendous matchup there. Uh, seeing that. That loaded offense with NFL talent across the board, a future pro at quarterback versus the Clemson defense that's, you know, dotted with with NFL talent across that roster. So that's going to be a really in, intriguing game. And then the other, I mean, I know you'll get into a, maybe a couple of these other ones or have your thoughts on on the Clemson, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Syracuse game. But the other one I'm looking forward to is I really want to see how Louisville performs at Miami. Um, you know, Louisville, you know, had the had the fantastic effort against Notre Dame, but th- there haven't been too many. They, they did play well against Boston College, and they've beaten some of the inferior teams. But, you know, they still have an outside chance at the college football playoff uh, at 9-1. and one. I mean, they go into Miami, win their 10th game, a reeling Miami uh, team that's lost their last two games, just had an – uh, an injury to their uh, quarterback Williams, Tyler Van Dyke, back in there, and Louisville, you know, now taking this on the road. They've been great at Cardinal Stadium, uh, but on the road, they've they've been more vulnerable. They go into Miami, get Kentucky at home. I mean, they can get to the ACC championship game, 11-1, and still have an outside chance 
of reaching the playoff. I, I wouldn't say it's a great chance, but they have an outside chance and just really having a special season. So we know Miami's talented, that they don't always play up to their potential. Uh, Cristobal has made some bizarre coaching decisions, we'll say at best. Uh, but that's a really intriguing game, in my opinion, too. Jeff, here's my question for you. NC State goes to Virginia Tech. Which NC State team and which Virginia Tech team is going to show up? Right now, Virginia Tech is favored by three points, and I think that that's fair basically because, Jeff, Brendan Armstrong hasn't had a very successful visit in Blacksburg. Yeah, this, this is that is a really interesting game because I think we know we know who NC State is and who they are now. Um, you know, they, they got great defense there with Peyton Wilson, you know, the All-American linebacker. We know they're limited on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they had the weird situation last week with MJ Morris. Uh, the quarterback of the of the previous uh, four games, I think, but they're, they're you know their starting quarterback, you know, calling it quits on the season, you know, and depending on your point of view to save his red shirt, um, or to transfer or whatever, whatever his reasons were, um, you know, Brennan Armstrong was called back into action, and you know they took care of Wake Forest this past weekend. But uh, I think Virginia Tech is, is a different animal. And going into Blacksburg um, with drones, like you said, he's playing well against that defense. Um, Virginia Tech with some momentum, NC State with some momentum. I think that's a very under-the-radar under game that could turn out to be really good. So, Because I asked Ralph, Ralph Russo to pick – he, he in, his, in his weekly picks column, Jeff – he has, you know, he has a segment where he says, "Give me two unranked 500 teams for my picks," and I gave him both of both the techs. I gave him NC State and Virginia Tech, and Syracuse and Georgia Tech, because they're both the most. In, you know, both both teams have a lot on the line this week. You know, in terms of you know getting. To, I mean, that's three of four teams there uh, in, that I just mentioned that you know have something online to get to. Yeah, exactly, and. You know, Virginia Tech's got a play. You know, if they don't beat NC State, they got to play Virginia the next week. And I, and I think almost every one of us can agree, you know, that Virginia is is a is a team that's better than their record. I mean, they've been in every single ACC game except for the uh, blowout loss to to Georgia Tech. And you know, they've just been a really a really hard luck team. And you and you look at the, you know, you look at Virginia and and. Their two and eight record is not the same as Pittsburgh's two and eight. You know, P P Pittsburgh is a train wreck offensively, playing poorly and looking for answers. Uh, Virginia Tech is a two and eight team that's played pretty well, has a win over North Carolina, had an opportunity to beat Miami. Okay, then the, you know, then the then then the blowout to Georgia Tech, but then goes on the road at Louisville. You know, and at one point. Um, you know, had a lead late in the third quarter of that game, 21-14. And we, we've talked about Louisville being so great at home, and Virginia had them on the ropes uh, before Louisville made, you know, made their comeback. So, you know, like you said, you've got 
Georgia Tech, five and five, trying to get bowl eligible. Basically, they have to beat Syracuse if they're going to do it. Uh, Syracuse trying to get bowl eligible, you know, still with the opportunity against Wake Forest the next week, but I, I don't think anyone can say that's a guarantee. And then Virginia Tech trying to get bowl eligible, uh, you know, trying to win one more between NC State and uh, and and Virginia. So when you have that opportunity to try to get that sixth win, you, you got to take it and not, you know, not get to that final game of the season trying to play for that. So like you said, that, that makes for a lot of interesting football and very meaningful football for these teams to try to get bowl eligible, especially, you know, Syracuse trying to save Dino Baber's job. Uh, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech in similar situations trying to show that they're, you know, progressing uh, between coaches who are, are in their, you know, second seasons at their schools. Well, Brent Key, you know, interim last year, but, you know, it is his second year at Georgia Tech and like Brent Pry trying to show progress. I, I like Virginia Tech's, chance, Virginia Tech's chances against uh, Brennan Armstrong, Jeff. I do. <laughs> yeah, he definitely hasn't been the Brennan Armstrong of two years ago. And, um, he, you know, he, he played okay against uh, Wake Forest. He had 200 yards of total offense. But, I mean, Vir- NC State is not going to light it up. They're, they're, they're just not. They're going to be ball control, and they're going to try to ride that defense. Brennan Armstrong's never lit it up against Virginia Tech, Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> that is true. I mean, been, I, all I of is really the pass to the offensive lineman, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. That was uh, <laughs> something else. That was really something. That's one of the worst offensive – Play calls in the history of the ACC, Jeff. Jeff, I'm going to start this first t- first th- first this time because I mentioned a few weeks ago. And I, here we're going to transition to uh, outside the ACC national college football. Uh, I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago that you know I was and I've been very consistent about this. I've been very high on Washington every week because they always seem to find a way to make plays to win. But I think it may come to an end this week, Jeff, because they're going on the road this week to Oregon State. And I mentioned to you on Twitter that weird things seem that weird things seem to happen in Corvallis, right? That Corvallis is a really tough place to play. The stadium is loud. The fans are right on you. I've been to it before. I've been to that stadium before. They have a really good quarterback in DJ Ongalele who's playing just outstanding football. He's, he's playing outstanding football right now. He has a very, he has a, I think personally, he has a better surround, a better surrounding supporting cast than he had at Clemson at some of the skill positions. I think Oregon state is It's, it's kind of interesting the way this works out, Jeff, but Washington is playing the two teams that got left out of college football realignment from the PAC 12 over the next two weeks, they're playing Oregon State this week and they're playing Washington State next week. I believe Oregon State's going to want to have a piece of Washington this week. And I feel I feel like they're really going to want to feel like they ended it because they're going to be kind of pissed that they got left behind. I mean, and not that I'm not that I'm trying not that I'm counting Washington out, but I, I think if it comes to an end this week, it comes to an end this week in Corvallis because Washington is not going to lose the Apple Cup in Seattle. So if you're looking for an L or an upset this week, 
take that one in Corvallis on sa- on Saturday night, Jeff. That's that's that, but that's the game I'm certainly looking forward to the most here uh, outside the ACC in Week 12. The floor is yours, Jeff. Yeah, when you when you when you look uh, across the board uh, nationally, I mean that that's one that I'm definitely gonna gonna keep an eye on and, and and really looking forward to. I mean, the Pac-12 has just been you know a ton of fun this year. I mean, I would say outside of ACC football, uh, I haven't watched a conference uh, across the country any more than the Pac-12. So um, I mean, I definitely could see. Uh, an upset in Corvallis uh, between Washington and Oregon State, uh, but I mean it's you know when you have a quarterback like like Penix, and I think Washington and Florida State are really similar uh, in that you know both have great quarterbacks, they have offensive weapons, you know maybe a little bit to be desired on the defensive side of the ball. I mean they're certainly you wouldn't put Florida State and Washington defensively in the class of a, of a Michigan or an Ohio state, uh, you know, on the offensive side of the ball though, uh, they're as good as either, either one of them because of the quarterbacks. And you, you never feel panicked when you, when you see, when you see Washington fall behind by seven or 10 points, there's no panic because you know that Penix is going to be capable of, of marching them down the field the same way with Jordan Travis, uh, but like you said, there's going to be a ton of emotion in that Oregon State game, uh, frustration at being left behind. I, I'm going to go against you. And I, I think Washington, uh, I don't think they lose until they, they face Oregon again. I, I think Oregon might might get them um, if they meet in the Pac-12 championship. But um, I, I think Washington comes out of there with a win. Um, you look across the country. And and the schedule is pretty pretty thin, to be honest. I know Georgia goes to Tennessee, um, which you know will have our attention for a little while. But uh, it doesn't appear that Tennessee would be capable of knocking off Georgia. Georgia's rounding, you know, like we said earlier in the podcast, they seem to be rounding into form. Tennessee's, you know, just coming off a blowout loss to Missouri, uh, been kind of a disappointing team this season. Uh, I know earlier in the year people were talking about, oh, Georgia's got to go to Tennessee and Knoxville. That's going to be, you know, such a dangerous game. And, um, you know, there might be some emotion that keeps it close for a half, but uh, I'm not, I don't really envision Tennessee being able to win that game. And, you know, look across the rest of the country, just uh, not, not a lot of interesting games, Michigan going to Maryland, but Maryland, you know, they're not very good. And, um, you know they're they're gonna have to play out of their minds to to keep that one close. So you look across the country, and it, it really is that Washington Oregon State game that should have everybody's attention across the country. I mean, I you know I I still think Washington can win, but that's my you know that's my candidate for an upset if if it does happen. That's that's where that's where I think Washington will slip up, where where or they will slip up because. They're going to be loud and they're going to be crazy in that state. They're going to be loud and crazy in that stadium. But I've, I've been a, P- a Phoenix fan all year, all year. Um, I think what I thought was intriguing here was that both Kansas teams are ranked going into this matchup this week, both Kansas State and Kansas. I, 
I'm not even sure the last time is I can remember that happened, Jeff. Yeah, I'm not sure I do. Uh, we'll see if Kansas stays. Is Kansas still ranked after? Well, they always look after Tuesday, but they, they kind of took it on the chin this weekend uh, to Texas Tech, I, I think. Know, so they, we'll, they, they may not be. I'll have to check that. I was looking at Yahoo probably. Maybe they didn't, wasn't updated yet because that's what I'm looking at right now. So maybe they maybe they didn't maybe that maybe maybe that article came out after my road trip, but Yahoo probably updates this the day after, and I think mm-hmm. that's probably what I'm looking probably what I'm looking at right now. I know we've got uh, what is it, uh, but I know Kansas State moved back in. Yep, they moved they moved back in. But I guess we'll have to. But still, you know that that's not often you see a Kansas Kansas State team between two uh seven plus win teams at this point in the season that, that should be a pretty entertaining game well i mean kansas is gonna want to kansas state will want to run the ball you know will want to run the ball I t- i'll tell you you know you know how it is smash mouth football and i've started thinking in my mind if pry ever leaves they need to call up chris Kleiman <laughs> because uh-huh. you know you know he would fit well in in blacksburg jeff you know yeah. that he would fit. He would be exactly what they want in Blacksburg. So they would have to give him a call if that if it if it ever happened that way. But I'm we're all rooting for Pride to succeed, and he's he's certainly doing he's certainly doing he's certainly trying to make it trying trying to, if he gets to a ball this year, you know there'll be some progress to make on next year. Just like for your guy, just like for Brenke at Georgia Tech, uh, Jeff. My next question, my next next question, friend, and I think you'll enjoy this a little bit. Okay, so full disclosure, I was extremely tired on Saturday. I missed the second half of UNC and Duke. And I woke up, and all I saw were people complaining about officiating, and really Duke was not a beneficiary of a lot of calls. And I, One of the real ridiculous ones was it was an interference uh, interference. Uh, a, a interfere, a, really an interfere, an, an inter, not an interference, excuse me, an interception that was not reviewed, and it was clearly an interception. And the ACC officials really didn't look at it at all. But there were several other candidates in that game that were that that quite frankly Duke did not didn't get didn't get the benefit of the doubt for. I'm wondering what you think of ACC officiating lately, Jeff, because I mean a lot of it you see that you know ACC officials hashtags and blah blah, but. It looked particularly egregious from some some of the tweets and some of the videos I saw yesterday in, in uh, favor of uh, uh, you know in favor of in favor of UNC and I did talk with one of my UNC friends I said at time I mean and we all agree with this sometimes it's better to be lucky than to be good right you'd rather take luck every time because Lady Luck will, can get you a game or two but it seemed to me that that there was really quite a few things that could be sent to the league officials office here for. Yeah, I mean, my my thought on on ACC officiating is when you get outside of the ACC, it's bad across the country. I, I mean, I have not, I'm not going to sit here and say ACC officiating is good because it's not. But when I watch football across uh, the rest of the country, it's pretty bad too. I mean, there are controversial calls in every game that can decide games uh you know 
the Alabama LSU game a couple weeks ago. Uh, they LSU fans were going berserk on some of the calls, and um, you know it, it's bad across the country. But when you look at what happens, some of the stuff that happened in the in the UNC Duke game, I, I'm I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Matthew, on the interception. Um, I do think they should have reviewed it. Now that was bizarre. I don't understand why they didn't review it. Uh, but I, I, I guess I don't think it was so clear cut that it was an interception because uh, when they did show the replay, it looked like to me that the North Carolina player uh, might have been on the ground already from from his rear. So I, I don't think it was a clear cut interception, uh, but I thought there was enough there. They should have reviewed yes. it. OK, fair enough. Um, fair. that. That I don't understand. I don't understand why they didn't review it. Nope. <laughs> uh, and then the other, the other play. I mean, unfortunately, that wasn't the only uh, officiating that was controversial in that game. There was another one where it did look. Now this for North Carolina when they scored on the two point conversion, uh, the the announcer. Uh, said there was an ineligible lineman downfield, an ineligible player downfield, and should have negated the play. Uh, when you do see the replay on that, uh, it did look like one of the linemen was beyond the line of scrimmage and wasn't engaged in a in a block. Uh, they probably should have threw the flag on that one. But I, I've I've kind of gotten to the point where you're you're going to get bad calls. Just just expect it. And to me, the the number of officiating calls that really decide the game are a lot fewer than people will admit. Because I, you know, if you're watching the game, uh, there were a lot of North Carolina fans griping about the officiating too. Um, but you know, it's never a good look when the officiating gets controversial at the end of a game for a conference. Uh, so on those two calls, I'm, I'm not so sure it was for me, it was not so conclusive that it was an interception, but on the other one where it was the ineligible receiver down field, uh, that did look like there was a receiver downfield. And, you know, I, I don't know what you do to fix it because it's, Wait till bowl season. You'll see the officials from across the country. When you start watching these bowl games, there's going to be some horrendous calls, you know, coming out of officials from the Big 12 and the Big 10 and the SEC. And, you know, the Pac-12 has a similar reputation to the ACC when it comes to officiating. So um, I, I, I wouldn't expect it to be any better when the bowl season starts or if you're watching football around the country. Fair enough, Jeff. I want to go back to one part of our segment. Uh -huh. Week 12, ACC. Who is the most likely to be upset this week, this week in week 12? I want to go back to the, go back to our schedule. I think we, we missed that topic. Yeah, if, there, if there's – I'm pulling uh, – I'm looking at Duke and Virginia uh, – this this feels like a trap game, you know, for Duke going up to Charlottesville. Uh, I mean, there's been so much hard luck for Virginia this season um, on their two and eight. They've been in every single ACC game that we said 
but one. You know, they were in it with Louisville again. Um, you know, they had a, another emotional game. Uh, Paris Jones gets hurt in the game, carted off the field. Um, I mean, he had spine surgery this week. And thankfully, he's, you know, his extremities are moving. But when it happened, I mean, it was just another uh, emotional gut punch for for the Who's. And Duke coming off that emotional game with North Carolina, where if you're a Duke fan, oh, you're, you're irate at the officiating. Uh, you had Elko going off on the officiating. You play such an emotional game with North Carolina and come on the um, wrong end of the stick in a two-overtime loss. I mean, how much are they going to have in the tank uh, against Virginia? Um, I, I think that that game is ripe f- uh, for a possible upset. Um, and then the other one I think you have to keep an eye on is, is certainly Louisville and Miami. You know, Louisville taking the show on the road with, with expectations. They certainly weren't expected to be playing with this season. And and Miami, you know, starting out the year 4-0, lost four of the last six. I mean, they're, they're going to look for something, try to be, um, you know, kind of salvage this season. So Louisville's going to have to be on their on their toes. I mean, you know, they're, they're not, they're not like a Georgia uh, who can just overwhelm teams with, with their talent. They have to play smart and they have to play uh, well, especially against a Miami team. That's, you know, you, you may be able to argue it is more top to bottom talented team, or at least as talented as Louisville. Uh, so um, Louisville wants to keep their, their uh, fringe playoff hopes alive. They want to, you know, lock up their ACC championship game. I think there's still a mathematical way that they have. They locked it up. I'm, I'm not quite clear on that. I think there's still a mathematical way for someone else to appear in that there game. Is, there is. There uh, is indeed. Virginia Tech can still get in. Yeah. So, you know, Louisville still has a lot to play for. Now they've, they've got expectations. Um each week, the stakes get a little bit higher for Louisville, so that's another one to keep an eye on uh, as they head down to, to to Miami and Coral Gables in that one. You know, I was surprised that they that they made Virginia Tech the favorite. You know, and because I, I was going to say that, but then you know, they're they're favored by three points. So I and I then part of it says don't be surprised by that because Brennan Armstrong's never been successful in Blacksburg, and maybe that's why. The Vegas handicappers came through, but Jeff, I, I I do have to be frank with you. I am surprised that Pitt is favored over BC. I, I just don't get. I just don't get that. And maybe they're the handicappers are looking at a little bit at like, wow, maybe BC sucks worse than we thought we thought they did, or something like that. And where we have a pillow fight between a couple of teams or something like that here in Pittsburgh. But I I can't say I wasn't surprised to see Pitt favored over BC. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is surprising to basically see anybody in the ACC, uh, as an underdog to pit at the moment. All right, Jeff, open microphone time. The floor is yours. Well, th- this past weekend, uh, was, was really ACC and college basketball getting into full gear, um, 
you know, I started, I, st- I actually started watching quite, quite a bit for me when college basketball season starts in November, I, I'm not a just start watching it in January or March. I like to watch it a lot now. And, um, you know, the ACC got out of the gate, you know, really good. They won their first 16 out of conference games, uh, to start the season. And then, um, Friday came and some results went sideways. And I think you can already draw some early conclusions about, uh, you know, the, a- the ACC and some of its teams, uh, Louisville, and you got to talk about them, uh, one point win and opening their opening game over over uh, UMBC that they trailed quite a bit of that game uh, and then they come back and and lose by double digits to oh my goodness it just escaped me who they were who they were playing I believe that was Chattanooga yeah exactly thank you Chattanooga um Man, Kenny Payne is—he's got to be maybe one of the worst hires, maybe the worst hire we've ever seen in ACC basketball for a program like Louisville to be in this in this state, and they do not look like they're they're any better. And Notre Dame um, already out of the gate with an ugly loss uh, today, or was yesterday uh, today or yesterday to Western Carolina. And the Mike post Mike Bray era is off to a rough start. Those were those were the two, you know, that you're you're already looking at Louisville and Notre Dame are gonna, you know, head to a or, or could potentially be in store for another really long season. Um, especially Louisville. Man, my goodness. Uh it, it doesn't seem like there's any hope uh there for their basketball program until uh, you know, Kenny Payne has shown the door. We'll see. We'll see if they can somehow turn it around. At the other end of the, at of the end of the spectrum, uh, Miami. They they look really strong. Two dominating wins out of the gate, including a, a Big Twelve team in Central Florida now. Uh, Duke against Arizona. I don't think we have to worry about. You know, Duke's going to be in the tournament. They're a super talented team, but Arizona, they exposed some things with that Duke basketball team on Friday night. Uh, Arizona, ranked number twelve. If they're eleven better basketball team in the country, uh, I don't know. That that is an outstanding basketball team, and they were very physical with with Duke and Cameron, uh, and and Duke just couldn't match their physicality. Uh, they were dominated on the glass by Arizona. Uh, you know, if if Duke's going to go from just being a good team to one that's going to win the national title. You know they're going to have to get a whole lot tougher because you're going to have to go through you know Arizona type teams to win a national championship, and you know that's something John Shire is going to have to see if if he can fix before then uh, with Duke. But still, you know Duke 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 is going to be one of the ACC's top, top teams. But whether they can uh, you know become one of the best teams in the country is going to depend on whether they can develop you know, that physical toughness in the front court that they're going to need to compete and beat teams uh, like Arizona. Uh, Virginia, you know, they got a quality win early in the season. You know, you never underestimate Tony Bennett. If you're doing that, you, you know, just just don't do it. They got a win over, a, you know, a Florida team that many think will have a shot at an NCAA at-large bid. Uh, and then 
Clemson today, uh, the first ACC team so far in the season to win a preseason, uh, one of the preseason tournaments, knocking off Davidson uh, and UAB over the weekend. And you're going to, most people are going to look at that and say, oh, they beat UAB and, uh, you know, Davidson, you know, big deal. Well, the other team, the team in the field was a top five, top four Big Ten preseason pick, Maryland. Uh, they left Asheville 0-2. Uh, so if you, here, here's going to be in my other rant. If if Maryland is really one of the four or five best teams in the Big Ten, uh, that's a four big, a four bid league. You know, not not the usual nine, ten bids that the Big Ten is hands out every year. But if Maryland is truly one of the best teams in the Big Ten, that 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 is going to be a down year in Big Ten basketball because Maryland lost both games uh, in Asheville. So good on Clemson, though, to go up to Asheville and already pick up a tournament win early in the season, a tournament title. So, Jeff, I watched every second of that Virginia Tech South Carolina basketball team uh, by a basketball game. And, you know, Virginia Tech did not have a good first half, but, you know, they're, you can tell that they're missing Rodney Rice. And I'm not, you know, a lot of people miss that news, but he decided to opt in the transfer portal, which I think it really put Virginia Tech's guard depth back back, back a little bit because he was expected to play a major role and even in the rotation and probably even start. I mean, he's a big physical guard. While he's out, then you've got players, you know, playing in these roles that they're perhaps not as accustomed to. And But the thing that was shocking to me, Jeff, is that, and this felt, I mean, I, I know I tweeted you with about this. I, it felt like the Georgia Tech game last year 2023 on the road all over to me because there were times when I'm thinking, why is he playing this man-to-man defense when Virginia Tech isn't fast enough to play South Carolina's guards right now? Why, why are we, why are we doing this? They're not, it, it, they just were not as well conditioned to play that man-to-man defense against the guards and against South Carolina's guards. And you know they would have been in a better position to you know to play to play zone. I mean this even happened a couple of years ago if you recall when Buzz Williams guards were running around Duke like there was no tomorrow. You know running around their guard running around Duke's guards and then finally coach K had to switch to his own and I'm thinking you know it would be helpful you know especially if you have a short rotation like Virginia Tech does because I didn't expect to have a short rotation but to perhaps throw a couple of big guys in there because actually Potit and Lynn Kidd have been playing pretty well. I mean, I was actually, I wanted to be fair and balanced about this. Virginia Tech's post guys actually gave him some contributions, Jeff. And I'm, I'm not asking for PJ Hall type of con, you know, contribution at Virginia Tech. I'm asking for more Victor Davila, you know, somebody like that. Maybe he'll give you 10 points some nights, give you 13 meet rebounds, play some tough defense box people out, don't give them a lot of second opportunities, that sort of thing. But they the, the post guys played pretty well against South Carolina. But, you know, it, and it was, you know, and I don't know if it was a let's, you know, stay with this man-to-man, let's stay with this man-to-man, let's stay with this man-to-man. But they hired a guy from VCU in the offseason for defensive purposes, and it just completely – to me, it was a complete failure not to do, not to at least change things up or to recognize that 
this man to man wasn't working and that you should try to do something, you know, try to do something else and you shouldn't be so hardcore and committed to your ways uh, about man to about man to man defense, you know, to, uh, you know, to stay with, to stay, you know, to stay with it the entire game when, when it hasn't been working. And I feel like I have had this same conversation with you about Brad Brunel at times. And, but that's what I saw in that game against South Carolina. And, and I hope it's not a harbinger for the future that they say, hey, we might actually have to do this, you know, to throw a, you know, to slow the game a little bit down a little bit if we can't stop, you know, if we can't stop them, their drives to the hoop. Because I, I watched, I watched it and I was getting flashbacks, Jeff, and I thought, don't let this happen again. You better get watch the film and figure it out. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I watched that game too. And hopefully, you know, South Carolina is going to be better than we expect. But it, it is a con- kind of a concern of a red flag game because that South Carolina team was pretty much picked by... M- just about every basketball prognosticator is the bottom team in the SEC. They were pretty bad last year. Um, I think they have better players than they do. Their guards are better than they, much better than they were last year. But my concern is more on on tech side with not making adjustments. Yeah, I mean that sort of thing because you know you've got to you know if you're getting blown over by the guards and if you can't guard them man to man you got to switch things up to slow the game you know at least to give people different looks and that wasn't done at all <laughs> that wasn't done at all and i got a little concerned about that and i'm hoping that i mean mike young's a good coach right so he should find ways to ch- you know what i mean to find ways to change that but if they stay with a man-to-man and they keep getting burnt, then I'm going to have questions about that. Yeah, that that's true. They definitely got into a game where South Carolina was dictating the tempo. Um, it seemed like Virginia Tech was playing that game, you know, going uphill the entire game and, and just trying to stay with the way South Carolina was playing and I think it would have made a lot of sense if, if, if Young would have tried to switch things up the way you described and, and try to get that game flow, you know, into a, into a way that was more comfortable for Virginia Tech than trying to just match up with what South Carolina was trying to do. Absolutely. I mean, because I – and I wouldn't mind actually seeing Mike Young throw in a couple of forwards, you know, at the same time and do that zone that I was talking about, Jeff. I mean, just to at least give teams a different, a different, a different look, because I mean, like I said, if you, you know, Virginia tech already played, you know, last year, you followed them the last couple of years, Jeff, they have the slowest tempo, had the slowest tempo uh, of teams in NCAA division one. I mean, they had the least possessions. I mean, it felt like old Tony Bennett stuff with Mike young and, they they did not do that against against South Carolina, but I think that you know there's a long way to go. Hopefully, that's not an RPI, you know, sort of not even RPI, but you know, whatever the number. What's the what's the net? That's not RPI anymore, Jeff. What is it? What's the new thing? The the net. The net. Yes. What's the new thing? God, I keep forgetting that. And 
I mean, hopefully that's not a net killer law, a net killer loss. I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's certainly not like losing to Chattanooga. You can recover from losing to South Carolina versus losing, losing to Chattanooga. Yeah. There's no but, question about that. Now, but, <laughs> you know, one's, one, one's a red flag that there could be a problem. And the other is, Oh, you're in huge trouble now. And, and so, yeah, I definitely would not put the losses anywhere in the same category. I mean, you, you definitely still feel like Virginia tech has a chance to be pretty darn good. Uh, but, but South Carolina certainly exposed some things, but it's, it's, it's not like what happened to Louisville losing to Chattanooga. And, you know, they were on the ropes against UMBC too, nearly lost that game or, 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 Notre Dame losing to Western Carolina. Those those are major uh, concerns when you see losses like that early in the season. Um, so I mean, you know, Mark Young, we've seen him do fantastic job coaching other years, and you know, I, I think he just that it they kind of got caught up in, in what you described. They they got caught up in South Carolina's tempo, and and for a little while, Virginia Tech you know, could play it, but then South Carolina would come right back down, extend the, you know, it would get tied and they'd extend it back out to four or five points. Um, he, he never could get that tempo um, at a pace that I think was, would have been favorable to, uh, to Virginia tech. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Jeff, that's it for this week. I mean, next week, Hank Kurtz comes back here for his, end of season check-in with us and it's always good to have him come on he usually comes on the week before the commonwealth cup and we're we're yeah, that's that's when he's coming on uh, hank kurtz the virginia uh, associated press writer for this for the commonwealth of virginia he does the sports here in virginia and he'll be on with us next week then we have terry, then we are we're off for thanksgiving and we have terry johns the following week and matt and, and matt Zemek. i mean it's the uh, no sorry let me back up. We have Brett from Pick Six Previews. Then we have Terry Johnson. Then we have Matt Samick. So we have a good schedule of uh, of folks coming up over the next several weeks, and hopefully we'll get your Georgia Tech uh, op ed writer in in the new year. We'll we'll reach out to him again, uh, again Jeff, because I enjoy having Ken Segura on this show. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Take care, Jeff. All right. Bye.